Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Man, it is good to be in the Lord's house today. I don't know about you, but it seems like the devil has been fighting tooth and nail to get to get us sidetracked and to get us thinking about other things. But we are here today, and we are going to read God's Word and I hope benefit from it, because when I'm preaching this, I want you to know that though I am pointing a finger out to you, there's three pointing back at me. And as we are walking through James, this is always a fun chapter, because everybody thinks it's about them. And I got news for you, it is. And But it's about me too. We all can control our tongue every now and then. And so this chapter is on the tongue, and James is actually chastising the church, the young church that has just started Imagine that. They had backbiters, backstabbers, and tough talkers, even in the early church. So they must have been Baptists, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that when we have a collection of people, there's going to be good people, there's going to be bad people, there's going to be good people that try to be good and are bad, but that's what the grace of God is for. So he gives us some great insight today. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. And it is my prayer that through your word and through what we've already worshipped with in song, the Lord, your word would touch hearts, Lord, whether they be in this sanctuary or be watching by Facebook Live, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Have you ever heard that saying before? Well, you'll hear it today. You've just heard it. And hopefully by the end of the sermon, you'll get the point. But the words we speak today, the words that you speak, the words that we use, even the words we use this morning with our families as we were getting ready, they reveal what's in our heart. And when we use words, we should remember that it should be used with biblical wisdom and honorable actions because our words matter. And the way that we use them will change our lives for the plus or minus. And it will also benefit those around us. But I don't know about you, but right now, to be frank with you, I am sick of seeing all this hate in this world. It seems like that's all we see. Well, if you're on social media, your social media is filled with it. The TVs are filled with it. The newspapers are filled with it. Everybody is reporting on hate. And it's not like this is just a new thing. This has been around in the world for a long time, but it just seems like for me, some of you that have have been to this before, maybe you can tell me later, preacher, calm down, we'll get through this. But it just seems like the volume is really high right now when it comes to hate. Does it seem like there is bad news at every turn? Do you feel like you should be in a different place in your life today? Why does it seem like your life is filled with so much drama? Well, today we learn from God's Word about the greatest culprit of evil and wrongdoing that is out there. The most vilest weapon of evil is sitting in your mouth and mine. And it's called the tongue. The words that we say have a direct impact on our world as individuals. In other words, the way we see the world. And it also has an impact on the world in general. So be brave enough this morning with me to take inventory of the words that you have said and the words that you will say and where they will take you. So the first thing we see in the book of James, verses 1 through 4, James 3, 1 through 4, is that the words you use will steer your path. The words you use will steer your path. 
He says in verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, and not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So see, even James is lumping himself in with the people that he's talking to. Verse 3 says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And its small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. What does this say to you and what does it say to me? Number one, you and I are accountable for the words that we use. We are accountable for the words that we use. James begins with teachers. He says, teachers, look, you who are people who are functioning as some type of official spokesperson for God, either in teaching or in a preaching capacity. You see, back then, many Jewish teachers within the system back then, the religious system back then, it was a, an act of prestige to be a teacher. If you were a teacher in the temple, you had power, you had money, you had influence. And there was a day, actually, when, when preachers were sought as, as someone that was very you know, powerful. I mean, days have changed, and, and I'm okay with that. But it still doesn't change the fact that whether you are a preacher, a teacher, a Bible study teacher, or teaching your children at home uh, through a Bible devotion, or just talking with people at work, if you are representing Jesus to somebody else, then you have to understand that if God has placed little eyes and little feet at your feet, then you are accountable for the words that you say. And so am I. Teachers are crucial to the development of every human being. This is why as Christians we must get behind our teachers and support them, but also hold them accountable. One of the big reasons that we are in the situation we are today is because generation after generation has stepped away from absolute morality. So when they got into positions of teaching, it's no longer history, reading, writing, and arithmetic. It is agendas. It is programs. It is programming. It is brainwashing that is going on today, that is being taught in our schools even in our seminaries and in our colleges. It's no longer teaching for the sake of knowledge. It's teaching with a spin. And people will be held accountable for that. It's not my job to call them out. It's my job to call out what I see. But as far as I'm not going to judge them, God is going to judge them for that. Just as he is going to judge me for every word that comes out of my mouth. We, we see the term judgment used in the New Testament, and when it's used, it normally has a negative connotation. And so, in other words, unbelieving false teachers will be judged at Jesus' second coming. We know that from Jude 14 and 15. But your words matter. They really matter. There was a grocery store clerk, and he was working in the produce section when a lady walked up to him and asked if she could buy half a head of lettuce. Half a head? Are you serious? The worker said. God grows these in whole heads, and that's how we sell them. In other words, he was going to put that customer in her place. She said, you mean that after all the years I've shopped here, you won't sell me half a head of lettuce? 
Look, he said, if you'd like, you can ask the manager. She said that she would appreciate that. So the clerk himself marched to the front of the store to ask the manager for her. And she, the, the clerk went up to the manager and he said, you will not believe this woman. There is a lady, she is dim-witted, and she's in the produce section, and she wants to know if she can buy half a head of lettuce. And then all of a sudden, he noticed the manager say, woman was right behind him. So, obviously, the clerk changed his tunes and said, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. <laughs> Later in the day, the manager talked to that young grocer, and he said, that was one of the finest examples of thinking on your feet I've ever seen. Where did you learn that? Well, the clerk said, I grew up in Grand Rapids, and if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know it's known for great hockey teams and ugly women. The manager's face all of a sudden turned red. You know where this is going. He said, my wife is from Grand Rapids. And the clerk responded with, well, which hockey team did she play for? So, so this guy, this guy was, his, his words were getting him in and out of trouble, weren't they? But the truth of the matter is, is that we have all said things sometimes that we wish people hadn't have said. I know I've said things I wish I hadn't have said. Some of y'all remind me of that, right? But, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that we all are accountable for the words we use. And the words matter. Notice again in James chapter 3, in the second part of verse 2, it says, For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. I got news for you. You're not perfect. Or in greater English, you ain't perfect. I ain't perfect. We never will be perfect. That is why we need Jesus Christ. We can make a large horse go wherever he wants by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. We can learn a lesson from the bit of the horse and the rudder of the ship. We can learn some lessons. Number one, both the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder of the ship must overcome something. Both the bit and the rudder must overcome something. What must the bit overcome? The wild nature of the horse for the horse to go wherever it wants to go. When you first try to train a horse, they buck. They don't want to go anywhere. They'll throw you around. They'll do all of these different things. But the thing is, is that that bit tells them which direction to go. This huge horse and that little bit will Teach them in which way to go. And you have this huge ship with a little bitty rudder and the winds and the currents that must navigate against those currents. So if you've ever been out on a boat, sometimes if the current is taking you one way, you can turn the rudder into the current, hit your motor, and you, you won't be moving. You'll just be going against the current. These little things make a big difference. And my friend, you have something that you have to overcome. It's your sinful nature. It's my sinful nature. And this little thing in our mouth called a tongue, we must control that. You see, controlling your tongue means knowing what to say and knowing when to say nothing. My friends, I have very rarely regretted being silent. (laughs) But I have regretted sometimes when I've said things. If your tongue is out of control, I can guarantee you this. Your life is out of control. If you know somebody whose tongue is out of control, I guarantee you their life is out of control. No believer should ever gossip. 
Of course, Baptists call it prayer requests. If it's a prayer request, you better accompany it with some prayer, my friend. Well, you know, I don't want to say anything, but, you know, you heard about Sister Hazel. She's got a quiver in her liver. And you know what her son did? You know, and before you know it, it goes from a prayer request to straight up gossip. We're all guilty of it. If you say you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them. There is no place in a Christian's mouth for gossip, for lying, for bragging, for talking down about others, for misleading others, for exaggeration or lying. Folks, do not bring judgment upon yourself by speaking out the evil that is in your heart. Because we will be judged by every word that we say and post for you younger folks. There are people that are losing their jobs for something they tweeted seven years ago. When you put something online, it does not go away. Even though you hit delete. But even more than that, for you older folks that don't do social media, God keeps a record of everything we say and do. The second thing is, we need to be responsible with our tongue. Be responsible with your tongue. I want you to acknowledge, at least today, that you have devastating power in your mouth, which is your tongue. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not a gun person. Okay, I put a gun on the picture there. I'm not a gun person. I don't own one. And only remember shooting a gun out in the woods with a teenager when we went on a little hunting trip. So a while back, I had to go through some things of a family member, and I ran across a gun, a six-shooter. I remember holding it in my hand. I remember looking in the chamber. I had enough sense to look in the chamber to see that there were bullets in the chambers. So it was loaded. And I must admit, I was extremely intimidated. In my hand, I had the power to protect my life or to take a life. I didn't know how to get the bullets out. And I wasn't about to start pushing pushing buttons. So I just put it back where I found it until someone who knew something about guns came, took the bullets out, and made it safe. Folks, there's great responsibility with owning a gun. That little piece of equipment could wield life and death. And James makes no apology here by stating the same about our tongues. They can wield life or they can wield death in each word that they speak. Look at verses 5 and 6 of James chapter 3. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Do you see the strong warning James is comparing the damage of a tongue to a raging fire? You see, the inborn sinful nature of mankind is spread throughout the evil works of the tongue. Have you ever, like, said something and you know it was wrong and you regret it and you just like that evil just, it just kind of came out? Yeah, I've done that too. We have to beg for forgiveness. We have to go make restitution to those that we've offended. It's because sometimes our sinful nature takes over. 
But we see that on the news. We see that in our families. We see that in our churches. And we see that in our communities. Look, just take a moment and put the overlay of this passage on the next news show that you watch. The next report of violence that's happening in this world. The next political ad that you see. The next coverage of the election you see. And just see how much hate is being spewed. And we are gobbling it up. That's why they put it out. You see, fires have been started with small things that you wouldn't even find significant. I've seen... Instances where there was one house that was burned to the ground because somebody was smoking on the back porch. They had a plastic planter. They put their cigarette butt in that plastic planter. The fire went up the wall into the roof and took the whole house out from a little cigarette butt. There was another house one time to where they went away somewhere. They left some candles going and the cat knocked it over. One little flame taking down a whole house. And my friend, when it comes to words, one word can take out an entire family. One word can take out an entire church. One word can take out an entire community. The aftermath of a fire is devastating. The things that you once held as value have no value anymore. Everything is charred. That's one thing about it. When you go to a family that has lost a house, you would think that they're like, oh man, what about my boat? What about my RV? What about my... My uh, silver collection. No, they're saying, what about my wedding album? What about my pictures? What about my grandmother's ring? Those things that, that at one point you don't think about until everything's gone. My friend, when we set our life on fire by the words that we say that are not of God, we are torching our own houses, even though the words may seem small. Let me ask you something. Would you rather win the argument using the words that you regret or keeping your mouth shut and learn to fight another day? I've been married a long time. I've learned that lesson. I don't want to be right. I want to be happy. But in all seriousness, there are some battles you just don't fight. The person in your house, that child, that spouse, that family member, although they may be giving you a fit, They are not the enemy. The enemy may be in them. But you fight the enemy. You don't fight the person. One small spoken word can burn someone's entire world down. So we see that once a damaging word is spoken, no one can stop the results. You ever heard of the term, you can't get the genie back in the bottle? (laughs) I'm living proof of that. Those of you that are married, you know your wife can remember something you said 20 years ago. That's just the way God wired them. God bless you. Now, they don't choose to remind you much about it. And, you know, I've got words that I could use too, but there are sometimes, I don't know, guys, I'm going to warn you. You're talking with your spouse, talking with your girlfriend, talking with your mama, your daddy, or whoever you're talking to. And you think, oh, I know what button I'm going to push now. I know it's going to get them going. Sometimes I just push a button with her just to, to have some fun. But, you know, there's that, that, that kind of like the, the president has a foot, the, the nuclear football to where if something were to happen, he could launch a nuclear attack. All of us think that we have those buttons right there where if we, <laughs> this is the one that's going to get them. I'll tell you what, my friend. If you push that button, there's no going back. 
There's no worth whatever word, whatever memory, whatever grudge, whatever, whatever it is, you keep that thing in the box. Because you will not win by saying that. You will obliterate everything that you've worked to build. Just in one word. Apologies can be made, but the scars will remain. A relationship that took years to build can be torn down with one harsh word. You may win the argument, but lose the relationship. Families have split. Affections have shifted. And selfishness has overtaken many relationships due to harsh words. So before you speak, think about the impact that your words will have. Is winning an argument worth destroying a relationship? Is it worth losing a job? Is it worth losing your Christian testimony? Well, the third thing that we see, that the words from your mouth reveal the contents of your heart. This is the hard part. Hang in there. Verses 7 through 12, it says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, Full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord the Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Folks, right here, James mentions animals, birds, and reptiles, and fish. All creatures that are made by God, right? All creatures under his authority. In the same breath, he mentions the fact that no one can tame the tongue. Now, poisonous creatures are subtle because if they bite you, a lot of times it's not instant death. It's slow death, right? It's slow and it's hidden. And I can imagine we are not a church that handles snakes. But if I were to release a box of poisonous snakes and poisonous spiders in this service, we'd have some Pentecostal movement going on, wouldn't we? We'd have pew hopping. We'd be people running out of doors. We'd have people making doors to get out of here. Because it would be so self-evident. But James is saying, look, even those wild things can be tamed, but the tongue, the tongue cannot be tamed. I have seen in churches before where the poison of a tongue has spoiled an entire congregation. It is not happy. And y'all have probably seen it too. Do you realize how blessed we are at Homeland Park Baptist Church? Don't you take it for granted. I'm not going to say all of you are happy. You're probably not. But we do our best to control our tongue and to speak in the ways that are biblical and right. You see, James makes it clear that some in the church were criticizing its own people. If you look at verse 9, sometimes it praises, sometimes the tongue praises our Lord, our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Folks, there is no excuse, no excuse for someone who claims to be a child of God to spew hate against another person who was created in his image. We are not to look at the color of someone's skin, the language that they speak, or the clothes that they wear, and use that as a means to belittle them. Belittling and talking about someone is only proof of your own insecurity. It's just like in middle school. The bullies that would pick on the little kids, they were only doing that because the bullies were the ones that were insecure. If you have to go pick on somebody smaller than you, you've got issues. The next time you're thinking about joining in on a discussion that cuts down someone, for any reason, just know that you're cutting yourself. Because if you cut down someone that is created in the image of God, you are also cutting down yourself. 
It's like I say all the time to brothers and sisters. You can't tell your brother or your mama joke or your sister or your mama joke because y'all came from the same mama. You can't cut yourself down. Any believer who speaks evil from their tongue is giving the world a reason to not believe in Jesus Christ. And here's the saddest truth of all, folks. The deepest cuts you will receive are the ones that you receive from those that call themselves Christians, but use their words to cut you down. Don't be that person. The scars that you have from people that claim to be Christians are the ones that cut the deepest. And my friend, Jesus will judge those. He will heal those. And people will be accountable for what they say. I don't know why it feels like some of the meanest people are on a church roll. Don't be that person. So here we go. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in the well comes up in a bucket. This is a book that was written by Charles Losey, and it's a book that deals with personal growth and development. And the well reflects what's deep inside of all of us. The bucket represents what comes out of the well when you pull the bucket up. So, in the ways that we speak, in the ways that we act, in the ways that we think, are a reflection of what is inside of us. Jesus himself put it this way. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, he says, What you say flows from what is in your heart. James states it this way. He says in verse 10, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. But surely, my brothers and sisters, that is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. My question to you is, what's in your heart today? Your words will reveal it. If you want to know what's in your heart, listen to your words. I shared this story from my testimony before. Some of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. But it's not something that I'm proud of, but I believe it serves the purpose of what I'm teaching today. When I was a teenager, I experimented with church, but still had one foot in the world. The draw of the crowd is huge for a teenager. You remember that, right? The getting the approval of friends, having friends, having people just like you that understand you because you feel like that your parents don't understand you, your pastor doesn't understand you, your nobody understands you. I was in that position and I can remember one night going to spend the night at a friend's house. We ended up going to a relative's house of theirs that were not home. And before I knew it, the booze was flowing. I wasn't good at drinking, if you, if you can be good at it, but I, I didn't have much experience with it. And it's not something I'm proud of, but everything they put in front of me, I would put down my throat. And I'm going to tell you what, I paid for it the next morning. And the thing is, is that I'm going to share with you one of my strongest motivations for not drinking. And this is it. Back in the day, back in the 80s, we had something called a jam box. Remember a jam box? Some of the guys used to carry these big old stereos on their shoulders. Yeah. 
I had one that's about like that. I would call it a jam box or maybe a boom box. I don't know. But anyway, they had one at that place. And I didn't know it, but they had a, you ever heard of a cassette tape? Yeah, they had a cassette tape in that thing, and they hit record. I didn't know it. So they thought it would be funny a, a, a little while later. They played it for me. They played me being drunk. They played the words that were coming out of my mouth, and I could not believe that that was me on that tape. The hatred, the frustration, the meanness. All of these things that were in my heart that became uninhibited because of the the alcohol, it was out. And I was, I didn't recognize that person. I said, dear Heavenly Father, I will never put myself in that position again to be that kind of person. Because it scared the mess out of me, even as a teenager. I think the behavior I'm certainly not proud of. But even more disturbing for me was the emotions that were coming out from the well of my heart. Again, James says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw water from fresh water from a salty well. Folks, if I was going to change my words... Even the ones that I was repressing, the ones I didn't know were there. If I wanted to, if I wanted to not use those words again, it wasn't just about abstaining from alcohol. It was about changing my heart. Because you cannot change your words without changing your heart. That is what this passage says. And my friend, only Jesus Christ can change your heart. You know the words you use at church, and you know the words you use when you're not at church. You may have people fooled, but God is not fooled because He looks within your heart. Two verses that that are great for this, and I threw them up there so you can see it and maybe look at it later. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. How many times as a youth pastor have I preached that to teenagers? We always think about dating and all of that stuff that they do and telling them to protect their hearts. But for some reason, we think after we're out of the teenage years, we don't need that. My friend, you need to guard your heart till the day you die. And in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. My friend, if you had to buy a home with a well on it, or if you wanted to dig a well at your house and get off a county sewer, And water. Save a little bit of money. The first thing you'd have to do is when you dig that well is to test the water. Because you would not want there to be contaminants in the water that would be detrimental to your health, maybe even fatal to your health. You have to test the water when you dig the well before you drink from it. And my friend, I believe James is telling you and telling me today with the words that we use. You need to test your heart. Jesus is calling you to test your heart this morning. If you have a problem with your tongue, it can only be controlled with God's help. And it starts with your heart. 
Take responsibility for the ways and the words that you say. Because they will be the very words that you are judged by. God changes us from the inside out, not the outside in. My friend, if you think you have to stop doing something or look a certain way or get in a certain position to accept Christ before you do it, my friend, that is a lie from the, from the devil himself. If you want to come to Christ, you come to him just as you are. Only the Holy Spirit can change and guide your heart, believer. Look, many of you in here, myself included, are Bible-believing Christians, but we have our rough times, and our tongues prove it. That's because we are not yielding to the Holy Spirit. So if you want to change this world, if you're tired of seeing what's on the news, you can cut the channel off. You can, you can get away from social media, but it's still going to be there. If you truly want to change the world, it starts with yourself and the words that you say, and it begins in your heart right now in this moment. So please give your heart today to Jesus and let his words follow. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this worship service today. And it is my prayer, Lord, that if there is one person here that has heard this message and realized that they have a word problem or they have a heart problem, that they not leave this place today until they know for sure that you are in their heart. There is no word that cannot be forgiven other than saying no to you as Savior and Lord. If there are relationships in here that words have been spoken that are hard to get over, you can find forgiveness and a means to get around that as well. You have a plan for our families. You have a plan for our church. You have a plan for our relationships. You have a plan for our community. If we would just seek you with open hearts. So if there's one person here today that wants to do heart work with you, Lord, may they not leave this place until we talk. Or if they, they have their own pastor, if they're watching online. Or if they have a friend they can talk to that is good with spiritual things. I just pray that they follow up with that. And may we as Christians take seriously the fact that the words we say will be used to honor you. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for this time this morning. You will get the glory for any decision that is made. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.